Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast during the season of Epiphany. Do please leave a comment or a like, it's always good to hear from you. And if you'd like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with you all as our worship begins. Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the third Sunday of Epiphany. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The grace of God has dawned upon the world through our Saviour Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself for us to purify a people as his own. Let us confess our sins. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry 
and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the Gloria. Gloria in excelsis Deo.
Almighty God, whose Son revealed in signs and miracles the wonder of your saving presence, renew your people with your heavenly grace, and in all our weakness, sustain us by your mighty power. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Nehemiah. All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the organs in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single organ, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body which we think less honourable, we invest with the greater honour, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving the greater honour to the inferior part, that there may be no discord in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, then healers, helpers, administrators, speakers in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and a report concerning him went out through all the surrounding countryside. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And he went to the synagogue, as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Two of our biblical readings this morning describe occasions when scripture is read aloud in public. In our Old Testament lesson, we heard how the priest Ezra stood before the people of Israel and read the book of the law of Moses to them. The people were attentive and listened carefully, and they were so moved and so chastened by what they heard that they wept. The passage describes very vividly the power of the word of God at work within the life of the people of Israel. In our gospel reading from St. Luke, we heard how Jesus in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth read aloud from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, of the four evangelists, St. Luke is perhaps the greatest storyteller. He's a brilliant dramatist who draws his readers into the power of each episode that he describes. And the story we heard today which is found only in his gospel, is no exception. It is a masterpiece of powerful, dramatic effect. Just to set the scene for you, Luke has just recounted how, at the very start of his ministry, Jesus was baptised by John and spent 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by Satan. And the first thing that he does after that is the episode that we heard this morning. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit features a lot in Luke, by the way. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus goes to the synagogue in his hometown on the Sabbath and he stands up to read. He's handed the scroll of Isaiah and he reads aloud those memorable words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He then rolls up the scroll, hands it back and sits down. And Luke tells us, the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Now, please note that at this point, all that Jesus has actually done is to stand up and read aloud a famous passage from Isaiah. And he's done so without any comment or elaboration. And yet, for those who are present, it is clear that something extraordinary has happened because the eyes of everyone there are fixed on him. You could have heard a pin drop. Jesus is a local man. He's one of their own. He's a man who's grown up in their midst, who was known to all of them. And yet something extraordinary has just happened. When those words are placed in the mouth of that person, suddenly the effect is explosive. There is a sudden moment of recognition. It is as if the words have suddenly come alive and gained new meaning, and the man who had given them voice must suddenly have appeared to them in a completely new light. They have heard familiar words spoken by a familiar person, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, the combination of the two is dynamite. Only then does Jesus go on to spell it out for those present, saying to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. But by that time he is voicing something that, at some deep level, they have already recognized. Some of you may remember seeing the 1972 Zeffirelli film about the life of St. Francis of Assisi called Brother Sun and Sister Moon. It is rather saccharine and schmaltzy in parts, but nevertheless I can remember being very affected by one episode within it, which portrays the first meeting between St. Francis and the Pope. Francis, who had dedicated his entire life to God, embracing a life of poverty in the name of the gospel, stands in his rags before the papal throne, in stark contrast to the wealth and the opulence surrounding him. And standing there, he simply recites the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, and so on. And there's something about those words being voiced by that man in that context that makes the whole episode utterly explosive. It is certainly extremely exposing and disconcerting for the Pope in all his finery, who is, of course, completely outraged and has Francis thrown out. I can remember once seeing a signboard outside a church in the United, in the United States that said on it, read the Bible, it'll scare the hell out of you. And in the sense that it is a very exposing and revealing and penetrating text, that is most certainly the case. 
For me, the times when I experience scripture most powerfully as the living word of God are those occasions when, usually completely unexpectedly, word and reality collide. A passage or a phrase in scripture suddenly connects startlingly and revealingly with some aspect of my life, bringing with it a profound moment of recognition, a moment of revelation, and quite often a moment of profound change. To give you but one example, many years ago, something happened within the realm of my wider personal relationships, which at the time was so shocking and upsetting that for a while I was completely preoccupied by it. Indeed, I can remember feeling quite physically shaken by its emotional impact. At the time, I was chaplain to the community of St. John the Divine in Birmingham, the order of nuns upon whom the series Call the Midwife is based. And I was in their convent leading a clergy study day. I joined the sisters in saying their midday office, their lunchtime prayers, during the course of which we were saying alternate verses of one of the Psalms. I was completely stopped in my tracks when I suddenly heard myself reading aloud the words, I am consumed with indignation. Those words hit me like a thunderbolt because I hadn't realized until that moment that it was true. I really was being consumed by my indignation. I simply hadn't realized until that moment quite how angry I was. And I hadn't realized how important it was that I addressed that reality. So, rather startled, I took note and our lunchtime service continued. What happened next was perhaps even more extraordinary because when we reached the New Testament lesson for that day, of all passages for us to hear, it was that text from Ephesians 4:26, which includes the words, be angry, be angry, but do not sin. At which point I began to realize how my own sense of anger and outrage was actually affecting my behavior to the point where I was in danger of being led astray by it. In short, during the course of that simple service, not only had I been granted insight into the truth of what my particular problem really was, but I'd also been given some guidance about how to deal with it, which I still find quite extraordinary. And yes, it really did change the way I dealt with that particular episode in my life. It really did change my outlook, and it did so quite radically. The epistle to the Hebrews begins with the words, Long ago God spoke to our forefathers in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son. The amazing thing about this morning's gospel reading is that Luke, Luke shows us how these two things, the ancient prophets and the Son of God, are suddenly and dramatically brought together in that incident in the synagogue at Nazareth. The New Testament writers in their various ways all set out to demonstrate to us how it is that against all the odds, 
Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled those prophetic promises, and Luke does it in a particularly memorable way. Perhaps the most striking thing of all about the story of Jesus is that at no point did he appear to be the kind of Messiah that anybody was expecting. He constantly challenged and subverted the prevailing attitudes and assumptions and expectations of all those around him, particularly the religious authorities, but also those of the disciples, the very people who were closest to him. And I can't help feeling that there's an important lesson for us all here. You see, it is one thing to decide that you're going to dedicate yourself to obeying the law of God as it's set out in Scripture. It is a rather different thing to commit yourself to following the living word of God. I'm in no doubt that it is a fine thing to be able to quote the Bible chapter and verse, but not if you then use scripture as a weapon with which to beat up those with whom you happen to, agree, to, happen to disagree, or as a shield with which to protect your own unexamined attitudes, assumptions, and prejudices, or as a pedestal from which you can lay claim to the high moral ground. Because the Bible is not a safe stronghold for the self-righteous and the pious, nor is it a comforting retreat for the faint-hearted or a source of consolation and consolidation for the opinionated. Indeed, if you take it really seriously, it is by no means a comfortable read at all. Rather, to read scripture as a living word is to embark upon a journey that involves a great deal of risk. The risk of discovering that we've been wrong. The risk of having our unhealthy and distorted attitudes and assumptions exposed for what they are. And the risk of having to face the question when such moments of recognition are granted to us, are we brave enough to hear what they have to teach us and to try to amend our lives accordingly. Really? Really? Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory 
to judge the living and the dead, and whose kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, we join together online and here this morning to pray for the needs of your church and the world. In the stillness, calm our minds and open our hearts to your love, that we may sense your presence with us. We pray this morning for the people of Tonga, your church and the Diocese of Polynesia, and all those affected by the volcanic eruption this week and the tsunami that followed in its wake. Give all those made homeless or injured the support they need now and the strength to rebuild their lives. With the islands cut off from the rest of the world, we pray for those struggling to reach loved ones and hope they will be reconnected soon. We pray also for your church and the people of Hong Kong, Shen Kung Hai, and for Andrew Chan, the Archbishop and Bishop of Western Kowloon. Give him and all his congregation the strength and faith to continue to practice their faith and fight for justice, freedom and compassion in their homeland. We give thanks for our own Church of St Brides, for the warmth of welcome it offers here on Fleet Street and to our congregation across the world that join us online. As we remember this morning your son Jesus starting his ministry, we pray for Alison, our rector, Jeff, our associate priest, Sarah, our bishop, Justin, our archbishop, and all those who have heard your call and work to share your word and love in so many ways. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Father, we pray that we will find ways for all your peoples and all faiths to work together for the good of others. That we may remember that, for by one spirit we were baptised into one body, and that if one of your children suffers, all suffer together. Grant that we may have the courage to reach out and welcome all to hear your word and to know your power that those whose eyes are closed to the possibility of seeing Christ in others may look at the world in a new way, welcome difference and diversity, just as your Son did. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, we pray for all those amongst us who feel alone, unloved and ignored. Give us the insight and sensitivity to offer the same love and acceptance that your son Jesus showed to those suffering pain and loneliness. We pray that you will help us to see the lonely, help the homeless and visit the prisoner and find ways to bring your love to those who need it. 
those who are hiding in plain sight in our own community and those across the country that need our help. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Healing God, when your son was on earth, he healed the sick and ministered with compassion and care to those in need and in pain. We pray for all those known to us that are ill, that they may recover quickly, for the loved ones that face illness with them, and for the doctors, nurses and healthcare workers who care for them, that they may all have the strength to face each day, and that they may show the same compassion and care, and bring your word to life in their daily work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us remember also those that have died and that have now joined you in heaven. We pray that they will all find peace with you and that you will comfort those who are left behind. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, we take time to remember in silence all those known only to us who need your support and love. Merciful Father, accept these prayers, prayers for the, the sake, sake of your, of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? Our Saviour Christ is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever.
accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, 
but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Let us pray. Almighty Father, whose Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, may your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, shine with the radiance of his glory, that he may be known worshipped and obeyed to the ends of the earth, for he is alive and reigns now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
Christ, the Son of God, perfect in you the image of his glory, and gladden your hearts with the good news of his kingdom, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.